Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. morning uh, to do that. But uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. Shannon's mentioned it's Labor Day weekend. How fast summer goes, but there's still a little bit of summer left. We're not just, just because kids are back in school and, and, you know, fall sports and, and, you know, my Huskies didn't win yesterday. That's okay. It's all right. It's whatever it might be ahead. We're looking for, we got a little bit more time ahead of there. Now you might notice there's a few people that are kind of missing, maybe younger people are missing. We actually have like, I think over 50 middle school and high school students, as well as staff are down South Lake Wacom at the Firwood camp at Go Camp. And so they're having a crazy time down there. God's, God's doing great stuff down there. And um, I can tell by Instagram and Facebook and little posts that I see that uh, is pretty, pretty amazing. So, but God's doing good stuff here too. So I really appreciate the team leading. I don't know about you, but when we were singing as well with my soul, I felt like I was floating on the clouds. And then we brought it down and I came settling back down to the earth. It was quite the experience. So I appreciate your team leading that. I didn't want to stop. I don't know about you, but so I feel like I'm interrupting that as we do here today. But we're going to jump into our message today as we wrap up this last message in this, uh, this whole summer series that we have been doing together. But as I mentioned, as summer's wrapping up, some of you probably went and took some summer vacations, and you're now back, trying to get back in the routine. Probably this next week, you'll be doing that. Some of you are here, you know, on vacation. We appreciate seeing you here, and maybe you came from a long ways to be here. Some of us traveled all over parts of states and different things. Did anybody, is anybody here that took a long road trip this summer? Like multi-state, okay. Some of you did. Some of you, we know some folks that just moved across state to be here, and I've learned this, and our, our family didn't take too many vac- you know, long trips this, this summer. But I remember this when the kids were little, the, the smaller the child, the longer the trip. Have you noticed that? You, you know, you get in the car and you're not even to the freeway and they go, are we there yet? Like, no, honey, we are just starting the journey. And, and I remember hearing that, you know, every five, seven minutes, are we there yet? And they have no concept of time in miles or anything. And so what I kind of learned when I did with my kids was, I don't know where I picked it up. Somebody had this idea is, you know, your, your rear view mirror is where you came from and your dome light is where you're going. And so I would just point at the ceiling, like where we are, right? Like, are we there yet? You know, like I point to the ceiling. Okay. Oh, I guess we're halfway. They it helped them a little bit in the concept, have no time, a concept of time and space, any of that. So there's a little trick for you if you need that to help with your kids getting through a long road trip. But we ask that question, you know, are we there yet? Is, is something we ask in life as well, don't we? We ask that question, are we there yet? And whatever we're doing, if it's uh, not just a physical road trip, but the road trip of life, trip of life is where we're going along and going, man, it's where we're heading, is this, is this the direction we, we need to go? Are we where we need to be? And now, if you could imagine what it's life, remember life before GPS? Do you remember that? And you, you pull out the map and everything. You remember that there's a paper map that gets out there. And usually my mom would be the one when I was on a road trip as a kid, she'd pull out the map and then my dad would be driving. And there were just, there was a, there was a controversy between the next, this exit to take and the next exit. 
We had controversy. What defined the next exit? Next exit, in my dad's mind, was it's going to be the next exit, meaning the one coming up. But my mom was, no, that's the one after the next exit. That's the next exit. Not this exit, but next exit. And there was a conversation and an argument about that. So <laughs> some of you can relate with that. Like, that actually happened in our house. And, with it. And, and so are we there yet? Did we get to where we need? Did we get to that final destination? And along the lines, and, and we finally did. Now, in life, again, getting to where we're at is we can go through all that we need to accomplish, education, career, whatever, you know, steps in relationships and having children, all that we go through in life. And we someday just go, are we where we need to be? Like, you ever gone on a trip, you know, like you get somewhere like, oh, this is it? This is where we're, all that work, all that effort, and we're going... This is a dumpy place we're staying, right? You ever had that moment? And, you're like, it, and, and there's a feeling life like, is this at this place, at this junction, is this where we're at? Well, as it comes to final destinations and, and, and where we need to go, this is one thought you probably know already is the choices we make on the journey will determine our destination, right? The choices we make on the journey, and that's pretty obvious, will lead to our destination. So wherever you're going, they go, well, maybe there's different ways to get there. Well, how many of you have ever tried the various ways to get to where you need to? Like, it's not that fun, but eventually, wherever choice you make will get you where, hopefully where you want to be, but sometimes not always based on the, the current decisions that you make. And so today, as we wrap up this series, We Believe, we're going to get a little bit serious here. We're going to be talking about the topic of your final destination of getting to where you hope to be based on the choices you make, even this day and especially in this life. Now, I prefer to fly over long road trips. Now, flying has its own woes about it, going through airports and securities and all that. But I love flying into the Bellingham Airport because, you know, when you land your home home, you know, like when you land in SeaTac, you're like, oh, I've got to drive. I've got to do some other transportation. Usually it's like, I am home home, right? And I love when they say, you know, if, you know, welcome to Bellingham. If this is your final destination, welcome home or something. I love hearing those words that you're there, you made it. And today we're going to talk about spiritually and not just, but for eternal destination, not just in our belief, but in reality, where will we be one day in our final eternal destination? This is what we've been looking through in these different beliefs at Christ the King. This is our final one that we're going to look at today. It's on the screen. It's this. All humanity will experience a bodily resurrection and a judgment that will determine their fate. Having rejected God, unbelievers will suffer eternal condemnation apart from him, which is hell. Believers will receive an eternal communion with God, heaven. And will be rewarded for faithful service to Jesus in this life. Now, depending on your church tradition and theological background, the order of the end times can get, get debated. You know, Jesus comes back and there's a, there's a or before that, maybe there's going to be a, a, a rapture or there's going to be tribulation or it's going to be after Jesus. And then, and then there's the, then there's like the, 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 the great thousand years that are come, a millennial reign of Christ, and there's this final judgment and heaven, new heaven and earth. And you're like, whoa, it's Labor Day weekend. I don't, that's really confusing. So I want you to give you a little break. We're not going to go there today and all that, okay? You're like, thank you, okay? Whatever order you got in that, we can talk about that. We can, but I want to talk about really, maybe simply getting there, <laughs> getting to the final destination. That's what I want to talk about here today. And as we do that, we're going to get serious this morning. We're going to talk about heaven and hell. 
So it's kind of not a real, not real light topic on Labor Day weekend. So you come here, I came here camping, and now you're talking heaven and hell. We're getting serious here today. But, but here's the thing. As we talk about this, you're going to maybe have some questions, some feelings that come up. And if any of those are something you got more questions and answers after today, uh, well, I probably didn't do a good job. No, hopefully it's stirred up a little bit. We'd love to talk with you afterwards. I, I would love to chat with you if it's real brief or if it's a more extended conversation, let's do coffee. But what we're going to do in the backdrop of what we're going to talk about heaven and hell and final destination, we're going to look at a story Jesus tells. And as we look at this, it's a, it's a parable. Jesus would speak stories, these parables that have a point. And as we look at this story, recognize that there is Two men, two final but very distinct destinations that they have. And keep in mind as we read this, understanding context, Jesus is sharing this story to two types of people, a mixed group of people. One was religious people, and they're very judgy religious people. I've met religious people. They can get real judgy. Some of you know some of those people. And, and that back in the day, there were definitely was those people and there was also, there was, quote, sinners, people that weren't really religious, and they were judged by the judgy people. And so it's a mix of people that, that are here together. And he like, Jesus hits this story, one story with two men and two destinations. And here it is in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury of the day. Purple, it, you know, it's always been a sign of royalty. Well, the dye just so you know, when you ever see purple in the Bible, it's, it's a very rare cloth because it's very hard to find that particular dye, purple dye. Uh, it's, and so rich people had it. And so you just not know this guy had everything really at his beck and call. And the opposite though, at his, which was the rich man's gate, was laid a beggar named Lazarus. And Lazarus is a name that you're like, oh, I've heard of that guy. Is that the person that Jesus rose from the dead? It's probably not this guy. Lazarus is a pretty popular name that people use back then. There's not a lot of people called Lazarus anymore. That's kind of weird. I don't know why. That'd be kind of a cool name to have. But that, that wasn't the case. That, that was the case back then. It was common. So understand this guy here, this guy named Lazarus was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even dogs came to lick his sores. I'm thinking, Jesus, do you need to really have that detail in there? Is that really necessary? But it does say that, man, even the dogs weren't really respecting this guy. I mean, he's lower than lower, right? He had it bad. Now listen to what happened to both of them. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good, your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in torment. Besides all this, between us you have a great chasm has been set in place. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. At the end here, I want to talk about what, what this permanent chasm really is. But it's quite the story, isn't it? I don't know about you, it, it stirs some thoughts, it stirs some questions. And it, it's a theological challenge. But to keep in mind, this is so important when you study the Bible, we need to read the Bible 
as the word of God, but it's written also in genres. There's historical genre, there's prophetic genre, there's, there's a narrative here, and this is a narrative, and you would see even a figurative language that's used. This is not to be literally to be translated, but it's figurative. It's figurative. And so when you hear the description of like, you know, hell is described, is that how heaven and hell is going to be exactly like? I, I, I don't think that's something you can base your whole theology on, of what heaven and what hell is going to be like. But to look at this, the fact that through the eyes of the entire scripture, as we're going to talk about heaven and hell in a moment, but you got to keep in mind that Jesus used certain people as a part of this story to bring a point, specifically a character named Abraham. Abraham was the beloved patriarch of the Jewish religion. And so when people heard in the story Abraham, they piped up and listened. Oh, he's talking about Abraham. Wow. Abraham did what? And it caught their attention. And as I mentioned, there was a mixed group of people, the religious and non-religious, but also recognized in that group, there was the rich people and the poor people. And many times the rich people were the, were the religious people and the non-religious people were the poor people, especially back in that day. But what was the point of Jesus' story? Why was he sharing this? Well, there's a deep contrast of, in, well, there's contrast and a deep emotion. And it's really come out for one reason. And I, I, I think of this, this is what I grow, learned from it is this, that the choices you make in this life affect the next. The decision you make here will affect your destiny. And this parable that he shares, we understand again in context of the entire scripture, but we have biblical truth to describe, that's described here. There's pictures, there's analogy, this is, this is an idea of something, but there's reality of what the Bible does say about heaven and hell, and there's expressions of that in this scripture. And we're going to look at both here together as we do that. Now, as we get into this topic of heaven and hell, I hope you pay attention. I hope you keep in mind, but I want you to listen to it in the urgency of this rich man that motivates us, I hope, today. Because here's this man, he's in agony, he's in pain, and he speaks not only to those he's going to be speaking to, but he can speak to us. And so the echoes of a man with re- rich man with regret speak to you today. And this is what he says to Abraham, this rich man now in torment. He says this, he says, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not, will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses, they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Listen, can you hear the pleading? Can you hear the cries of this dead man in regret, this rich man, dead man in regret of what he's speaking to us today? And as we do, let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about hell. Like, man, this is a heavy topic, Labor Day weekend. Here we are. We're going to do this. First is this, you can take notes. We need to understand this is that hell will be and, and, and would be a place of unsatisfied desire and hopelessness, but heaven will be a place of rest. Here, if you've ever been thirsty, nothing compared to this, this rich guy in torment. It says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony 
and in fire. What extremes that Jesus is using here to describe what hell is like. And not only the torment, but the hopelessness. Think about what permanent hopelessness would be like. I can't even imagine. Some of us in our seasons, we've experienced hopelessness, haven't we? Some of us might be in it right now. What I've learned the longer in our li- and in my own life is this. When I've been in a state of hopelessness, I got through it. And then I found hope again. That's a beautiful thing in this life. Even if you're in a state of hopelessness, if you feel like you're in a hopeless place right, right, now, right now, can I tell you there's still hope within your hopelessness. You're still breathing. There's still opportunity. But imagine permanent hopelessness. How would that be? Listen to what Proverbs says about this. When a, when a wicked man dies, his hope per- perishes. All he's expected from his power, his power comes from nothing. See, Jesus, again, is speaking to this religious group of people that clearly, actually, as you look through all of it, have rejected him. In really a place of hopelessness for, for all of them because they've not received Jesus and they've not received what he talks about, his own kingdom. And yet those who have received him, they can find rest for their souls. Listen to the contrast in the book of Revelation that talks and describes what this will be like for those in Christ. It says, and to find hope, it says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Rest, finding rest. Heaven will be a place of rest. Some of you are like, I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome, okay? Some of us will look at heaven going, oh, that sounds kind of boring. All we're going to do is sit around and rest. You know, and I think we got to keep in mind, it's going to, as we'll talk about heaven, it's way beyond what we could even think about and dream about. But heaven won't be a place of just sleep. It's not a place of sleep. It's going to be a place of rest for our souls. But it's going to be a place where we're going to be fully, fully alive and have hope more than we can even, even understand. The, 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 this year, a great man was taken from us at the young old age of 99, Billy Graham. One of my favorite quotes his son shared his memorial was this. This is what Billy wrote one time years and years ago. He says, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will, I will just have changed my address. I will have gone in the presence of God. Isn't that good? Jesus Billy Graham is saying that one day when he encounters Christ, when he gets to heaven, he's going to be more fully alive than ever. And that's what he's experiencing right now. And I think about this in our own lives that you ever wake up from a you know, nap or dream or sleep and you're like, whoa, was that a dream? Oh, I'm okay. Or it's one of those like, oh, okay, this is reality. I think heaven's going to be like that, that we're really right now sleepwalking compared to what we will experience. That's going to be heaven. But know this, you need to know that hell will be, or I would say would be a place of regret, but heaven will be a place of fullness and joy. Jesus really captures the emotion of the regret of this guy and the agony of this rich man by what Abraham replies to. He says, son, you remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received the bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. I can't imagine the torture and the pain of feeling a permanent regret. A permanent regret. I think there's a lot of things in our life that we regret. There's a lot of things that we wish we could have done over, 
But here's the powerful thing about it. There's many things we can, though it's in regret, we can still redeem. And there's still an opportunity to change. But there's something so tragic about permanent regret. And even if we're alive on this earth, we can face permanent regret. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because there's people that have died already in your life and you've never made amends with them. There's people in your life that you're going, man, I wish we would have had a conversation. I wish we had happened. Harriet Beecher Stowe, I came across this quote the other day that just kind of gripped me. And I, and I don't really post a whole lot on Facebook or Twitter or anything, but I put this out there and I had some comments about it. You can go to my Facebook page on that. But this is what she wrote and I commented on. She said, the, the bitterest tears shed over graves are for are for words left unsaid and deeds left undone. To live in permanent regret. And I, I, you can read what I wrote, but I basically said, hey, you don't have to live in permanent regret today. You have an opportunity. If there's someone else in this earth that's still breathing, you still have a chance to make it right with them. Something you did to them that you could go back and ask them to forgive you. Or how about this one? Is they hurt you badly and you need to go and forgive them. I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not ready to do that. Well, I'll wait till later. Guess what? Tomorrow can be too late. Later might never ever happen. And do you want to stand over the grave and be in a memorial of people you wish you would have had that conversation with? Now, I know that's painful to even say that because some of you have experienced, I'm kind of opening up a wound to do that. But I also want to speak soberly to those that still have an opportunity. To make it right. To make it right with somebody today. It might be for you to pick up the phone and, and text somebody or call somebody and say, hey, can we get together sometime soon? I really want to talk with you. I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be painful. I really, in fact, in situations, you might need some a little bit of advice from a friend that you can trust that's walking with the Lord and pray about it. But don't just pray about it. Eventually, do something about it. Don't let the regrets be permanent. Don't let them be cemented that it's too little and it's too late. What we do and the choices we make today will affect the destination that we'll have in our life. Hell is filled with regrets, but heaven is filled with joy and fullness. And I love what the Bible describes. I just want to read a few scriptures about what we can experience in Christ in heaven. I love this about about joy. It says, though you have not seen him, you'll love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Isn't that powerful that one day you and I, we can experience above and beyond anything we could ever thought and dream. And I love this, where eventually it's so rewarding and so fulfilling is that it says he will result he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away something we can look forward to is there's one day there'll be no more guilt no more shame no more regret no more pain no more sickness no more death no more funerals but just reunions now think about it. Can that be possible? Yes, heaven is going to be like that. And we just don't see it all. Paul says this about what is to come. He says, this is how it is right now for us. He says, now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I look in part. Now I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What he's describing here is that something we can't see yet 
that we can't even imagine yet that we will experience. And I tell you, it'll blow our minds. See, know this, hell will be or would be a place of extreme suffering, but heaven, it will be a place of reward, beauty, and beyond human imagination. Jesus describes this man in agony of his final destination without Christ, that that's it. It's permanent. It's also described in Revelation of such a person. It says that anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Man, that's sobering. That's a reality. That's a permanency. We can't comprehend hell anyway, anyhow, at all. I mean, some would say if we had a, a second, you know, one, one moment, one muscular moment, second in hell, we would know completely what to do. Wouldn't it be true? But it's also with heaven. We don't know how heaven is going to be. I love it. Uh, Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Some of you gone to Disneyland, Universal Studios, you put on the, you put on the 3D glasses and you at the end, water squirted at you. You're like, oh, that was so amazing. You know, you went to 3DX, you know, Regal Cinema, like, well, that was blow our minds, right? I, I compare all that, what heaven's going to be like, like is the, all, everything on this earth is like a fuzzy VHS tape compared to what we'll experience one day in heaven. We, we can't imagine. We have no idea what Jesus has in store for us as he's preparing a place, as we're going to look at here in a moment, for us. You see, you need to know this, finally. Hell will be or would be a place of, of loneliness and separation, but heaven will be a place of real relationship with God. Jesus speaks of this separating, this chasm, which we're going to talk about here in the end just in a moment, but this permanent separation. Imagine permanent separation from God. Jesus describes it this way. He says, there will be those on his left will say that he will say, depart from me. You have your curse into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Apart from me. And those are people that he describes were fake followers of Jesus. They weren't really followers of Christ at all. And I can't imagine as I'm following Christ, if I didn't have the spirit of God, the presence of Jesus in my life, that separation, I don't know how people can live without the presence of God. But think about this. One day in heaven, we will not only experience the, 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 the spiritual prep, uh, presence of God, we will experience physical time with Jesus, physical experience with Jesus. He goes on and says this. If you go, he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to me Take, take you to me, be with me that you also may be where I am. So powerful to think about that Jesus went to prepare a place for us. God created, the Father created, and, and with Christ, you know, six days rested on the seventh day. It's been a couple thousand years. Jesus is preparing a place. It's going to be a pretty good place, isn't it? It's going to be pretty amazing. I mean, this seven, six days, this is a garbage dump here compared to what we're going to experience one day. It's, I mean, we're blown away on, on, on the beauty of our creation, but it, that God created. But think about that. And what's so powerful is really who we're going to be with. Listen to this. First John says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. 
See, our reward is not going to be mansions in heaven as much as that's part of God preparing a place. It's going to be a pretty swanky place. But it's going to be a place where we're going to be with Jesus. Jesus is our reward. And what we can experience, and it's so amazing, but it all comes down, it all stems down to the choices we make today will determine our final destination tomorrow. In fact, one choice that all, we all have an opportunity to make to get to that place. But can you listen to the regrets of the dead man, the rich dead man? Can you listen to the plea? He said, man, if I could tell people, if I could warn people, if I could let them know what it's be like, he would warn us today in speaking to us. His words still echo to us today of a man, a rich man with regret. But as I wrap up here today, can I share you, with you another rich man who would speak and tell us of a great reward that we can experience? Several years ago, there's a man that came through our church named Marty. And Marty had experienced a lot of brokenness in his life. His, his wife had left him. Um, in fact, left him literally at the airport. They came back from a trip and he was getting the bags and she disappeared, and she was gone. And he was handed divorce papers and says, you're done. He goes home, half his stuff is, is, is divided. All of a sudden, he finds himself in distraught, doesn't know what to do. Newly retired man, school principal, moved here in this area to retire. He walks in the doors of this church just looking for hope. I connected with him, spent time with him, walked with him through some really painful times. He really rededicated his life to the Lord. He started coming to our church on a regular basis, and his neighbor noticed that, that he was gone every Sunday morning. He pulled in his driveway, and his neighbor was named Peter. And Peter would ask Marty, where have you been on Sunday mornings? Are you golfing? What are you doing? He goes, no, I'm going, in, I'm going to that church, that old red barn church up the hill. Really, why are you going there? Well, man, and so he, every week, Marty would go over to Peter's house and they would sit down on his deck and they would go through the notes, the notes that you have in your program. And pretty soon Peter goes, well, I might as well just go with you to church. So he started coming. And then shortly later, and I got to get to know both of them, Marty moved away and Peter continued to come. And one day Peter is walking with a cane. And I said, how are you doing? He goes, not good. He goes, do you make house visits? I said, well, it depends on what the house visit is, right? I, don't, I can pray with you. What do you need? He goes, would you do that? Would you come? And just, can we talk together? And we begin to talk about his life and where he's at. And he was a lonely man. He, he built a very, very successful business and retired and had everything he needed. But one thing he was lacking was relationships. He had people come in and check on him and that. But he's getting more feeble as we were meeting along the, the, the times we we're meeting. And then one day he goes, they've given me six months to live. Wow, Peter, I'm so sorry to hear that. He goes, but I'm going to be okay. I got, I got, I got faith. I got peace in, in, in Christ. And, and he goes, but I want you to know that I've, I've changed my will and that I'm going to donate $100,000 to the church. Now, I've had people promise a lot of things and different things. And, you know, and so I held that pretty lightly. But, wow, that's pretty amazing, his expression. End of his life, he's contemplating. And I was there just an hour or two before he took his last breath. And I got to whisper in this. Now he was in a coma, whispering in his ears, Peter, you have peace with Christ because I knew he did and the rest he, did, he had. And then it, just a week later, we did a memorial in his own home as, as all his family and friends had gathered to remember him. Pretty amazing. Can I tell you, his voice 
is speaking today as well. Another rich man's voice, but the choices that he made, and that one choice to choose Christ, he made today. And it's not, there's the voice of regret of one rich man, and there's a voice of reward. My friend Peter would say to you today, listen, the urgency of these voices speaking to say, it's time to cross over. In fact, I'd like our team to come as we close today. And I have this last question. Have you crossed over the chasm? Have you crossed over the chasm? See, Peter did that. Peter crossed over before it was too late. He crossed over with the cross with him. What Jesus did, and you know, Jesus talks about these two chasm, this chasm in between where heaven and where hell is, and there's no way anybody can cross. The Bible describes it that we fall short of the glory of God. In our attempts to try to do better and be better and all that, and, and, and even win our way along. Because I knew, I knew Peter. He wasn't buying his way to heaven to give $100,000 to the church. He already had it secure. He goes, I don't need to hang on anything here. I'm going, my, heaven, my reward is going to be in heaven. And I want to invest in, in eternity. And by the way, you're sitting in that, that gift here today in this room of this building. And many others generous giving to this building for us to be free and clear uh, not owing anything. But Peter didn't do that to get to heaven. He knew that he had crossed over already and experienced what Christ had given him already. And it wasn't too late. It's too late after that chasm is, is closed, but there's a bridge. It's called the cross that Jesus calls us to cross over. Have you crossed over today? Because there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you can write a check on. There's nothing, there's no wonderful feelings that you can have that one day or year, it's the choice that you make today to choose Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And he built the bridge between that chasm, us as unrighteous sinners, to a holy God. Today could be your day to cross over. Have you done that? Have you made that choice, that final, that choice, knowing and securing, guess what, your final destination that you can experience? Will you pray with me? If you could just take a moment and bow your head, kind of having a private moment in a public place with the Lord. The way to do that is just focus in and ask yourself that question. Have I crossed over? Have I crossed the chasm through the cross where Jesus did? Has he, have I really took the steps? Say, yes, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I don't want to live in regret any longer. And I definitely don't want to live in regret in eternity. I want to make a choice today. And right now, I want to pray for you and, and other ways to pray. But right now, if you're saying, I need to cross over to Christ, what Christ provided. I want to cross over from, from would be hell to will be heaven today. Could you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you today, if that's you. I want to give opportunity today. Okay? Some of you, some of you know people. Some of you know people. I know people. They're, they're pretty close, but they're not there yet. Can we pray for them today? You could share some of this with them, but you might need some wisdom in how you do that. No one wants to be told to go to hell. They all want to go to heaven, right? But maybe God would give you an opportunity. To, so as we pray, think of that person today, that we could nudge them and encourage them, and that the, the urgency that you hear today would be the urgency of your heart to reach out to them, that God would give you an opportunity today. And then finally, I want to pray for, and because I picked at it here earlier, some of you are living with some regret and the fact that you have not made it right with another person here. Some of you, and it's, it's painful, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not here to hurt you or anything. Some of you say, well, it's been too late. 
But I want to encourage you today. If you haven't forgiven that person, even though they've passed on, you still can do that today. You can forgive in your heart today. And that, that helps. It helps. But I want to sp speak to the people that there's people that are living and breathing still in your, your life that you have not made amends with. You have not asked for forgiveness. You've not given forgiveness. I pray that Lord gives you some courage today to do that. It's tough. It's really, really tough. But my God can do it. Your God, our God can do it. He is the, the resurrecting King that resurrects in us. His, his power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So give us encouragement to do that today. Let's, let's pray together. God, thank you for responding to you today. God, thank you, Lord, that there, I just believe it here today, there's some, though maybe they didn't raise their hand, they, they would say, Lord, I want to cross over. I want to cross over because of the cross, Jesus, and what you did, that I can go from darkness to light, that I can go from my highway to hell to the path toward heaven with you. And God, I pray that today there will not be anyone here that would not do that, Lord. They would cross over today, Lord, Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for those that that have not in our life, Lord, that we know people, they're on the edge, they're on the, they're on the, they're on the, they're on the, the side of, of, of ready to cross, but they haven't yet, Lord. We're, Lord, will you just nudge them, Lord, toward heaven, Lord? Will you help them? God, use us this week as we pray for them, the opportunities to have the conversation. And Lord, for some of us that are living with some regrets right now, we go, Lord, we don't want it to be permanent. We don't want to stand over a grave and be in a funeral where we're going, man, it was too late. I never made it right. Oh, Lord, may today and this week that you would give us courage, Lord, courage to be the ones to do such a thing. That, Lord, we would find the freedom in, in that. Even though the person might not respond or not might, they not, might not be, you know, even willing to do any of that, Lord, we've done our part, Lord, God, that you would help us by your help, by your spirit. The very spirit of God that's in us, that can flow through us to do and make decisions that are filled with courage that you give us, Lord. God, put the urgency of eternity in our lives, in our hearts this week, we pray. God, go with us, Lord. Thank you for this time we have. We love you in Jesus' name.